Podcast with your host, Jason Hallman. What up? Hey, what up? That's cool. That went fast. Working? Uh, yeah, it's working. Everything sounds pretty good. How's it sound on your end? Good, good. All right. Cool. So what up? Out of man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I feel like uh, the shoes on the other foot. I'm a little not nervous, but I want to make sure that I uh, I live up to your expectations. You've done this. We've done it three times on your end. This is the first time I've done it on my end. Dude, I honestly feel like I I suck at being a guest. To be completely honest with you. Really? Well, maybe yeah. maybe people don't do a good enough job interviewing you or get you to get, come out of your circle. I mean, I have a tendency to over talk um, when I'm being interviewed. I don't know. I get excited when I get interviewed, and I get excited when I'm like when I'm on your podcast. Yours, I've only been on two podcasts. I was on yours and another one one time, and uh, went back when I taught high school, and uh, I was like really sublime on that one. But on yours, I have a good time, so I appreciate that. We had a good time when we were there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, when I do my podcast, it's pretty easy because I just ramble for a minute, and then a question kind of forms itself out of that rambling. And then I stop and they're okay, it's their turn to talk. You know what I mean? So Yeah. And I I've don't, noticed I don't the, know, man. Like uh it's it's kinda complicated sometimes to to formulate questions and not sound so um like writing them down and having questions and then asking them in you know, is the smarter thing to do, but it doesn't really seem to work that well when you're deep in a conversation. It doesn't, and yeah. it doesn't allow for, for uh it doesn't allow you to go in other directions. It doesn't yeah. allow the flow of the conversation, you know, the ebb and flow of the conversation to take on its own personality. And and every time that you and I have done that, we've started out with a couple of like thoughts and random thoughts and sometimes not so random thoughts. And it just kind of goes from there and it's organic. Those are the best conversations. I mean, yeah. I don't want to interview you. I already, you, <laughs> you know, you've put everything out there already. So I, I, you know, and I know you, we're friends, but there's lots of things that I want to talk about on my podcast that we don't get a chance to talk to on yours just because the conversation goes in different places. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But I guess um, the best place for me to start is just to say, thanks. Thanks for doing this because not like doing my podcast today, but thanks for doing this because when I started doing this eight years ago, it was near, I quit doing it because not because I lost interest. It was because other people lost interest. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't a, enough people doing it for it to sustain. You that's know what I mean? exactly it right. It was too new. Yeah, there wasn't, I was, I don't know, I don't know how many people were doing it when I was doing, I couldn't find any motorcycle podcasts when I started doing it. So that's kind of why I thought, cool, it'll be, it'll be something that no one's heard of. Well, when someone, when something is someone that, or when something is unheard of, it's, yeah. you got to sell every second of it. I can remember having a conversation with Darren from Liquid Illusions and I called him and I'm like, hey man, I'm doing this podcast deal. And he was my 10th episode, if I do remember correctly. And I'm like, hey. I want to have you on. I want you to, you know, I want to talk, talk to you on the podcast. And he's like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and if you know, Darren, he's real easy going, you know, and, uh, then when we get on the podcast and I start recording, he's like, so what are we going to do? I'm like, we're already doing it. We're just gonna have a conversation. He's like, we're going to do this for an hour. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I go, that's, that's what people do. And he's like, do people even listen to it? I'm like, yeah, a lot. So yeah. when, when we started talking and then it got to be an hour, I'm like, well, that was an hour. He's like, Oh, that went fast. I'm like, it does. But booking guests was tough. I mean, I could get certain people like Irish rich really wanted to be on it. And he's reached out to me recently, wants to be on this one again. But mm -hmm. I mean, if I'll be honest with you, if not for you picking up this and, uh, and carrying, carrying the ball, I, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have got back into it. And now, I mean, for all intents and purposes, dude, I listen to a lot of motorcycle podcasts 
and uh, I can, you probably won't like this, but I can confidently say you're kind of the Joe Rogan of this space. And I appreciate that because I'm, you know, I'm probably the Mark Marin or the, the Adam Carolla of it. Cause I, yeah. I did it and I didn't know what I was doing. And it, you know, my, my equipment, I did the best I could with the equipment I had. I did it pretty good for the, for the time, yeah. but this is the third time I've invested in equipment and this new road stuff that I bought after you bought yours. Once I saw your shit, I was like, that's it. I'm done. That's it. Yeah. I went and it's dialed, man. It, it makes it real easy for an idiot like me to produce a decently sounding podcast for people to listen to. When I first yeah. started, I had this little box. I bought this podcaster box and it was literally like this clunky tin box that had two microphones in, but they weren't, uh, they weren't the XLR cables with the phantom power and all that. They were just like the five millimeter ones that you plug in and they didn't work right and it was scratchy and the audio was shit. And so I would take it out of that and I would put it in audacity. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I figured out, I bought uh, a Belkin studio tune. That's what I've used on all the other, on like the, the last eight I did of the first of my first run of these. And, uh, but it required all these cables and I had to use a laptop and I had to separate the laptop. I don't, I don't know how I did it, but yeah, I figured out a way to separate the laptop. So the audio channels ran on the end channels ran on one program and then they got converted in another program and ran out back into the board. It was, and this is like you said, this is just way easier. So, yeah. And what's going to happen in the future with podcasting kind of, uh, you know, continuing to grow every year and every month, even, um, companies like Rode and companies like Shore and all these other people that are in the audio space are going to see how lucrative it can be to create products that make this easier for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the recent Joe, Joe Rogan podcasts, he said there was over 900,000 podcasts. You know what I mean? That's 900,000. That's, that, that's almost a million. Almost a million different podcasts out there. And so, I mean, if you think about that from a consumer, like a, not a consumer, but a, uh, a business standpoint to create a product. That's a pretty big, you, uh, yeah, they all do uh, it kind of the same way. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, you got to think like 900,000 people probably don't have an audio background to be able to do this, but there's people making YouTube videos to show you how to do certain things and, uh, and how to use the more complicated equipment. But then now you got guys like road who come out with equipment that we're both using that make it pretty idiot proof to be able to put out a high quality podcast. Right. And what is also going to take place if it hasn't already is with more and more people in the motorcycle space, creating podcasts, what's really going to separate people's attention span is going to be the, the sound quality, you know? Well, I think the bigger thing that's going to happen too is, um, uh, the video podcast is going to, that price point is going to come down because the, the numbers that I looked into to do it, and they've come down significantly, but with the numbers you were talking about are still less than what I was looking at. But uh, it's just it's a little still, clunky. It, it's clunky, and it's thirty five hundred to five thousand dollars plus. Yeah, I mean, if I was to add up what I have right now in the equipment just to do the, uh, I would I would wrap up the audio stuff too. But if I if I what I'm trying to do with the video stuff, if I added that up, I would probably say I'm I'm touching ten thousand dollars. That includes the price of your um, studio. Yeah, no, no, that's not including the actual studio we built. That's just the computer because the thing is when you start dealing with video, mm -hmm. you got to put out at least 1080p. I mean, no one's really giving a shit about 4K, but you got to put out at least 1080p. And even that, when you're running three cameras and you're streaming, streaming, them, streaming them live or anything else, 
it needs a computer that can keep up. So you need a big ass computer, you know, the Apple ones, I couldn't afford to do an Apple computer to get that kind of uh, equipment. No, so I, I had to go with a uh, Alienware gaming computer, which I think is probably a better deal, but that's still an expensive computer. Yeah. The it's, it's a $4,000 computer. Right. And then you need a capture card, which is another thousand dollars to bring in the video inputs, you mm. know? And then if you add up the cameras, so I have two right now, and the cameras I have are about a thousand a piece. That's what I was gonna guess. So, yeah, and I still need one more. <laughs> so you're gonna so do a just, three camera shot? Yeah, I want a three camera shot just so I can. Uh, I want one that's kind of like of each side of the table, and then I want one that kind of captures the whole room. Gotcha. You know, mm-hmm. like the whole podcast. And then of course we have the TV on the wall too to kind of bring in the extra element of if we're talking about something that's relevant then we can bring it up and actually see something right there i mean i'm still a ways away to have somebody sitting in this chair operating everything right now i'm having to do it all myself um but you know like i said it's it's one of those deals it's like i'm kind of fooling people with my inadequacy of speaking (laughs) with just good quality content you know what i mean i don't i I, it's funny because i was talking to somebody i think i was talking to cam over the weekend about um no i was talking yesterday Corey. i did uh cory and i sat down and podcast last night and i was talking about your how i the arc of how i've seen you your uh your word economy go up and yeah. your how comfortable you get behind the mic and some of your reads like your cold reads yeah are much better your hot reads you're actually better at hot reads than you are with cold reads um because i think Have you're not thinking about it a cold read is where you are you're you're sitting down at your studio when there's no one in there and you're just doing like a commercial spot, right? Yeah. So like your cold reads are all your intros and stuff. Mm-hmm. Your hot reads are things that you you would read um, like live on the air. That's your your mic's hot, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a hot read. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah, noticed I mean, that things are getting better. It, it's it's a learning. It sure it's is a learning curve, and I I think that uh. The amount of time that I, I've been spending trying to polish my little areas that I need to work on, um, you know, it, it, I, I can't imagine a lot of people that were in my shoes uh, having a full-time business like yourself. Right. Like I, I know Speed Kings right now is in the process of getting his podcast up and running, and I understand how complicated it is to to carve time out to create this content and then not only do it, but go back and be self-aware of where you need to fix things and make it better, even if it's good already, just to continue to grow. And um, it kind of gets weird because, you know, I get wrapped up and wanted to be really good at anything I do. I mean, that's just my nature. Like, I want to be the best at it. Not that I want to be the best for some kind of uh, bragging. No, but you want to put your 100% effort into it. I don't want to half-ass anything I do, you know, and that's that's also what creates a lot of anxiety in doing anything I do is because I put so much pressure on myself at times to be creative, to be innovative, or to uh, – if I am doing something that everybody else is doing, just to do it as good as I can. Right. You know, well, and it, it gets – it takes a toll mentally, man. You want to be but, a, you want to be at par with your peer group whenever, whenever you can. I mean, I get that. That's important, um, you know, but – I. I think that um, there's definitely going to be a lot more podcasts on there. But the one thing that I will tell you that I've, I've always, and I've always felt like this too, when I parked the podcast back um, after 10 episodes, you know, eight, seven or eight years ago, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. It might've been six, seven years ago. I still paid every month 
to have that podcast be live. And so I still get, um, one of the things I want to talk to you about is about, I, I want to talk a little bit about podcasting still about um, the back end of things, but I still had an audience. Like that mm -hmm. stuff was still relevant. You know, yeah. like when I wrote my book, I haven't published it yet because I'm going to self-publish, but yeah. I'm writing um, the book I wrote. I parked that for four years because I don't want to write a book that becomes irrelevant. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So if it's good over a four year period, if it's still relevant today as it was back then, then it means I can release it like pretty confidently, even if it's clunky, even if I'm not, you know, I'm not a well, you know, if I'm not well spoken enough in it, or if I'm not articulate enough in it, or, you know, I still put in there what I thought was right. Yeah. But if it's relevant, then I think it's still going to be good. Um, you know, you know, it's really weird that this kind of come up and doing all this stuff that I, I'm still trying to understand why it makes me feel good. And why I, I keep wanting to pursue it, even though it's a dumb, I wouldn't say a dumb business idea, but it doesn't, it doesn't pay my bills is like, you, I don't know if you get this yet, but I, I mean, I get these long, long drawn out, um, essays that people send to me just kind of talking about how the podcast is, uh, you know, inspired them or changed them or whatever the case may be. And I don't mean to downplay it with the words I'm using right now because it means a lot to me to get that stuff. Right. But right. I mean, I'm just trying to explain, like, I get these very uh, elaborate, you know, people opening up to me. And so I find myself in this space where, okay, well, then I wasn't really trying to do this to be some kind of uh, an oracle. Uh, you weren't trying to be like some oracle or some yeah, personal Yeah, I mean, because I don't think I have, I, I mean, the only thing I'm good at in life is making bad decisions, but having fun doing it. You know what I mean? Ah, yeah, that's the, you're, so, you're marginalizing th that incredibly. Um, well, it just, it goes to show that you in a, you, you've put yourself in a space where, um, people identify with you. Uh, a lot of people don't have the gumption that you have to start a business, keep mm -hmm. it going. We were talking with this last night, Corey and I, it was like, and you've hit on it so many times you hit on it more than anybody. And, uh, you know, we kind of go off and talk about the cost of admission into our business, into the motorcycle business is almost nothing. Yeah. The cost of staying in our business is almost unaffordable emotionally, physically, financially it yeah. to stay in businesses, you know, is hard thing to it's, it's a near impossible thing to do. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's not it's not a good business model, but none of us yeah. seem to have the wherewithal to leave it. Yeah. It's also one of those weird things. It's like, I mean, I think about everything that I'm good at and then I think about it from a standpoint of like, I, I think I'm pretty decent at marketing and, uh, you're very good at marketing. I don't know if you know that thing. or not, or if you understand, I like, um, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is if, how you, how you parse that out, but go ahead. Um, and every time that I felt like, you know, I really wanted to get out of this space as far as painting or, or working on bikes as a full-time gig, you know, it's never been because, you know, I'm kind of jumping around here, but I've never, I've never went different directions in my motorcycle career because I was broke. It was always because I was burnt out or inspired to go another way. Yeah. It's just, you know, and sometimes that's a weird thing. And I'm, I, I kind of dealt with this in 2016 whenever my life was big wheel baggers and, and cruising those things. And I just, was done, you know, cause when I first got into it, it was the best thing in the world. It was so fun. It was so great. I was finding success and building these bikes and painting them and riding them. And then all of a sudden it wasn't fun anymore. And I didn't really have anything to replace it. 
you know, and then the Dinah shit came along. And I mean, I'm so happy that happened, but it's kind of nerve wracking, uh, you know, putting all your eggs in, in a, in a type of motorcycle basket. And a lot of people do that and they don't evolve. And that's why you've seen people come and go, you know, but I didn't use it. I never said it this way because I'm pretty hard on anything I'm not into, right? So I'm, I'll talk the most shit about big wheel baggers, even though I was the biggest wheel bagger dude out there, or right. at least I was doing the shit just like everybody else. But the thing that I try to promote is to be open-minded with motorcycles because they all kind of run their course. And you're going to have to – if you want to stay in this industry in, in, to a T, I mean in, in some form or fashion, you kind of have to be able to evolve with it. You know, there's nothing wrong. Like, I know you're really into the old West Coast choppers in that era. That's probably where you found, you know, you probably have a lot of fond memories from that area that really tied you into the industry that you're never going to be able to let go. Well, uh, no, and, and I, you, you, that smoke's out of the bottle, too. I can't put that smoke in, back in the bottle no matter how hard I try. The days of, of you know, th- those days are gone by. I mean, it's anything is, though. I mean, you know, when any anytime something uh, has a max a mass exodus, like all at yeah. one time, like okay, you're done with this and you move on, you're onto something else. It creates a vacuum, right? So you've got a, that vacuum sometimes can pull negativity into it. So if you're like fuck fuck this, I'm not going to do big wheel baggers anymore. Like you cut it off, yeah. right? Well, that can draw negativity in because in order to facilitate that move and to make that move make sense to you, and it doesn't just have to be big wheel baggers. It could be anything right that you change on and if you decide you're gonna if you decided tomorrow you're never gonna podcast again well i mean you'd instantly you know take your studio down turn it into something else to be a gaming room and you know you'd be fuck podcasts i'm not ever gonna podcast again podcasts suck dude and you know i mean so i get that there has to be a peel off of there has to be a clean break right like a divorce from from anything you stop doing like for instance and it's kind of relevant since you just had Corey souza on so I remember the year, the last year I gave a fuck about Big Wheel Baggers was I think 2016, and I think that's the year he built the uh, the uh, Road King that has like the flat bill headlight. Yeah, bezel. that's crispy. Yeah, crispy. I thought that's what it was called. So, mind you, that year by Sturgis, I had already ridden to California once to San Francisco and back on a Big Wheel, right. ridden all over Texas in the South, and rode to Sturgis, and I remember. And this is a jealousy thing for me. So this has nothing to do with like uh, Corey Sue's. I'm not talking shit or anything. But I'm sitting there at the Baddest Bagger show. I'm sitting there at the Parowitz show. And everybody and their fucking mom is making up a, a big deal because Corey Souza decided to ride from Florida to uh, um, Sturgis. Well, because just, no one else was doing it that, that – no one else that was doing yeah. it that, that knew about it. I mean, yeah. you know, um, you can't fault somebody for – because we talked a lot about that last night he's pissed about that not you he's pissed about because i kept telling him he's a bagger guy he's like i'm not a fucking bagger guy i'm like no you are the bagger guy i mean david covington builds as good a bike as anybody and as many bikes as anybody if not more um but other he's got that turbo negro bike was that his uh i'm not sure i don't really he had the he he Right, but okay, so my point to Corey last night was name me five choppers that were game changers or five pivotal choppers or five choppers that, that made an impact, and you can do it. You could you could probably do it. I can do it. I just did it on my Instagram today, right? Mm-hmm. 
name me five baggers. You, you fucking can. Maybe you could. I can't. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know. Of, I know of his because it had a name. I know that, but yeah. they didn't get the kind of shine. They didn't get the shine that they that that some of them deserve. Some of them have a lot of work into them, and he's got a fuck ton of miles on that bagger, just like you had on yours. But mm-hmm. people knew who he was, and people didn't know at the time who you were. You know. Yeah, it was that was also always the weird thing because in in the spectrum of, and this is the smoke and mirrors thing that that's plagued me for a long time is is the difference between understanding your 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 reach or your uh, popularity in human form and then on social media form. We right? talked about that last night too. It's easy to fake it on social media. You can be anybody you want to be on social media. Well, not not just the, the fact of faking it or not because I've, I've made a point my entire career to be as open and, uh, and show people the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads through right. social media. Right. I never try. I, I never want to be the guy that paints like this perfect picture. But what I'm saying is like, even when I was in Big Wheel Baggers, I had a decent following as far as compared to a lot of other people. And, and what I'm saying is very stupid, you know, realistically. It's really not – it doesn't make a lot of difference. But now that have we – now looking five years later or four years later, you know, we all make money off social media now in a, in a sense, or at least a lot of people of us do. Yeah. And I'll, I often wonder like, okay, well, you know – where is the place to be known now? It, I mean, there's no magazines. We so talked how, about that like last what, night too. There, the, 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 you can't. You got to create your own medium. This is the medium yeah. right now. That's why I think this but, medium is picking up steam. Yeah. So what? What's? Where's? Where do you find the place to say that one person is is a more high, higher, or hotter known person versus another? I mean, it's. I mean, it ain't like there's five magazines and you just got five covers this year and you're the hot shit. Like wh- how do you find out where you got to go to the shows? To I guess. I don't know. I mean, so it's changing. What it's doing is it's changing our culture to where that conversation that I'm trying to talk about right now, it, it's different now. Right. What, who's the hottest of what it's how many likes you got on a, on a picture. Like that's easy. It uh, doesn't mean I'm the best painter, or the best bike 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 builder. No, it doesn't. But it does. It, what it does do is it it makes you the best marketeer. But we were talking about, and I've talked about this several times over the last couple of weeks about. So I put everybody in classes, and I don't put anybody in classes like you know a gold standard, a silver standard. What I'm talking about is is like pick a year, and mm-hmm. so pick the year 2000. Okay, who are the big builders in 2000? Jesse, Billy. Indian Larry. Yeah. You know, um, Borgette, right? And so that's 2000. And so I came into the scene in 2003. By the time I came into the scene, the internet had, had already had its major swing. But those guys had to, in that Outliers book, they talk about being in the right place. A, a group of things yeah. happening based that's off that. of when. That's, that's a good analogy right there. So it's being, being the fact that, like, you and I on this podcast space, let's say there's 10,000 motorcycle podcasts. Well, it really doesn't matter because we started creating content a long time ago. So in a, in everything's a marathon, not a sprint. So we've already, we've already got, uh, we've already got out of the gates. We've already made our investment, you know, on, in it, I've made two, three investments in equipment. You've made two investments in equipment. You know, like you've already evolved two times through your equipment. I've evolved three times through my equipment. 
we're kind of already good. As long as we keep going at a nice steady pace that works for us, this will work. This will continue to work for us, especially if something busts open. But so those guys in 2000, they had to build a bike. They had to take pictures of it. They had to send pictures of it to the magazine. The magazine probably required them to write either a 500 or a thousand word page on what they were doing. And then the magazine kind of featured it again when it was done. And then people would drive down to Daytona or drive up to Sturgis or drive over to Laconia or drive over to Laughlin and see the bike in person and buy a t-shirt and get a picture taken with the bike. And then that bike would go into the ethos of somebody's garage or a collection or some kind of thing like that. Yeah. Well, four years later, you know, all of a sudden, then motorcycle mania happens. And then after motorcycle mania happens, then biker build-off happens. And then after biker build-off happens, then the internet just absolutely explodes. And for $99, you can get a URL, you can get uh, a, a three-page website, you can get email that could be, you know, your name at whatever chopper company you wanted to create. And it just, it happened, you know, and everybody did that. They opened a, ch they opened a chopper company and they put either... They put their name, first name or last name, in either Chrome or Chopper in front or behind it. Yeah. You know, they had the tw the Tony Chrome, Chris Chrome. Those are both two real builders back from yeah. Michigan. You had JH Choppers. You had this kind of chopper, that kind of chopper, to where it was like, you know, Indian Larry said it the best. is like there's more chopper builders than there are chopper riders, right? Sure, so sure. they were in the right place at the right time, and they had all the talent that they needed to, to catapult them to where they're at, to where Billy is – I mean, he still has to work, but yeah. he's taken care of because he was in the right place at the right time and capitalized on it. So when you're looking at like that Outliers book and it talks about being born in a certain year or having had success in a certain year and being in the right place at the right time with your business, having all your cards lined up. Yeah, I, and, I see what you're saying. And that that's that's actually that could be the case with us and podcasts right now, but only time will tell, you know. Well, we have uh, to keep doing it for one. Yeah. But I mean that the the other point that you just made that really strikes me is the is the fact that like you know that is really the case with a lot of success in life you know like you know it's not to say that there's not a Jesse James out there right now banging out some amazing things but there's plenty he, he'll never have the uh the type of opportunity to exploit his skills and his personality and all that because that that medium is gone well, I yeah. wouldn't say never, but what I would say is it'll never look like it did then. 2000's yeah. done. 2003's done. So the medium that, that's going to catapult the next who's who, maybe it hasn't even been invented so, yet. Well, I think that the only thing that we have is self, which goes back to marketing. It's just self-promotion. That's it. That is the only place out there to put anything out. There's no TV shows walking around looking for you. And if they are, they're worse. They're, they're stupider than the fucking – than anything else because they're trying to capitalize off of an old premise show that instead of looking at things in a new way, they're fucking lazy and they just want to do what's already been done instead of create something new. Dude, TV has always TV. done that though. But look at, I'll give you an example. Uh, this is before your time, but like in the early seventies, there was a show called the odd couple mm -hmm. and it was two dudes that had an apartment and one guy was kind of like this down to earth dude and was kind of a slob. The other guy was just, real pretentious, bougie guy, and they were, you know, it was the odd couple, right? Well, they yeah. just redid that about 10 years ago. They tried to reboot that shit with Matthew Perry and some, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, yeah, you yeah. fuckers can't come up with anything more original than what you've already come up with. You know well, what I'm yeah, saying? That's, and, and that's kind of the, uh, that's the thing about it. And, you know, when, when you take the opportunities to go try to do the new biker shows or you, 
you know, somebody pitches a new, you know, gas monkey swing type shop, you know, let's, let's take the gas monkey approach at this. It's like you end up being an actor and not a fucking, not who you really are. And that's not, I just don't think that's a place anymore for, for this. I don't think that's going to, I mean, I could be wrong. Somebody could get a TV deal and they, they figure it out, but it's hard to trick. It's harder to trick people anymore. It's like the little kid at the fucking birthday party when there's a clown doing fucking magic. And he's like, I can see it. And it's in his hand. You know, you're, you got somebody in the room and go, this is some bullshit. We have an information overload now. Right. So when biker build off and, and motorcycle mania came out, there was a couple chat rooms, like the ones you're talking that you guys were all on, but it wasn't like a national chat room like social media is. You know, it wasn't like Instagram or Facebook or right. YouTube or all these things. You had to like be a part of this little smaller niche of people to see what was going on in the back door of the industry. And right. now the back door of the industry is the front door of the industry. It's a glass house now, right? So you follow me, you see everything that I'm dealing with. You follow Corey, you follow you, you follow anybody in the industry, it's all out there. There's nothing for anybody to exploit. Or, or, or bring to the table that's not already out there. So magazines had no place anymore. They can't show the bike because realistically, if we build or paint a bike, we can't wait a year to unveil it for these magazines to get up with their production, right? right. I need to post this shit on social media now so that I can get work for next month. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And I, it, it saddens me, dude. I love magazines. I do too, man. I, I I was really hoping that Jeff was going to uh, stick to his original idea of creating the quarterly, that, huh? The quarterly book for the V twin visionary. Yeah, I, I really was hoping that would happen because, like, say for instance, like you had on the dude that used to work at uh, West Coast Choppers on your podcast recently, right? And and you ended up picking up that gas tank he had, right? Right. So that right there is something that doesn't happen without the maybe, magazine. Yeah, you know, like I, I just had this conversation today with with Danger Dan. Uh, we did it on on the on the live podcast we did, and I asked him. He has a gas tank. It was painted by Scott from Chemical Candy. Chemical Candy is a very well known and respected painter. Okay. In the industry. Right. Danger Dan has ridden that bike all over the fucking country and done some wild shit on that bike. That tank. For anybody at any point in time, if that thing becomes available, that thing has so much history dumped into that thing. Right. That it's almost worth more than the bike itself, in my opinion. That's and why he, I bought you know, that he tank. Kind of, yeah. You know, and sometimes, like, you have to be a guy like me and you that's very ingrained or very uh, tapped into the industry to to see the value in those things. Because an average weekend rider or enthusiast that is kind of here, but he also likes jet skis and also has a boat and that kind of shit. Like they're never going to really get that. And sometimes no. they end up owning those those pieces, but they never they never do the right thing with them. Yeah, they don't appreciate it. They I mean, let they it just get might fucked have money. up. It gets kicked in the corner, and then it ends up getting sold for half of what it's worth. You know, but those kind of things are going to. I don't know. Like it, it, it kind of goes back to the same concept. You know, I'm a huge fan of photography, and and I like that 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 place. I like the idea of it. I try to practice it myself, but a picture isn't worth shit anymore. You know, like, does it mean anything to you? Like, I'm sure it would to you. If, if Michael Lichter was to say, Jason, man, I want to shoot your bike. How would that make you feel? Oh, I, that's, that's a dream of mine. Even okay. If so I just had photograph photographs that were done by him. Would you, uh, would you just save it in your phone? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'd have it printed out. out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's what I'm getting at is like, we got to get to a point where 
art means something. And that's what it is. A photographer, a, a, a photo is art. A bike build is art. All these type of things that, that everybody's creating is art and it needs to be appreciated as art because I know that we can have a million photos. We can take our iPhones are pretty fucking good. We can take great photos and store them in our phone. Just have all kinds of shit. But does it mean anything? No. But then you have, you know, Michael Lichter or you have, uh, you know, name it. Tim O'Keefe. Lots of really badass Tim Remus. photographers. Isn't it Timothy yeah. Remus? Somebody. No, he's an author. Oh, Kirpius. Josh Kirpius. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, a lot of, of different people that and not even people that are huge in the motorcycle industry. Just, you know, one thing I, I, I don't know if, if I told you this, but I know I've said it on my podcast is that. Over the years of having bikes in magazines and and friends that do photography, I've I've been reaching out to them when I have a chance or when the, the opportunity's right, and saying, "Look, I will pay you. I want you to shoot something in pertaining to me, right. whether it's me, my bike, my helmet, something, right? But I want it to be yours. I don't want you to send me a thumb drive full of pictures. Just I want your art, right? right. And I can't hear you anymore. You can't hear me." Oh, sorry. I did. I, I guess I thought you were saying something. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Oh, no, my bad. Um, and I was just like, I want those because I want to put them in my shop. You know what I mean? And I, but then I got to be conscious and be like, OK, if I have 100 pictures of myself in my shop, that's not going to look great to people coming in here. 100? No, but a few. I mean, I've, I've yeah, got some yeah. artwork or some photographs in here of things, little, just like milestones yeah. of things I've done. What I'm trying to get at is that, that by by talk by bringing up these conversations and trying to express this on social media, I'm hoping to raise awareness for the appreciation of the crafts that people do. And sometimes those crafts might not seem like very talented things because we all have the ability to take great photos now with a phone. So we overlook the fact that this guy's a photographer. He actually understands it. He actually does great shit. (laughs) Yeah. I can remember taking a photography class when I was much younger and you know, there was, it was very remedial. It was, Here's a. It was when I was at Woodward uh, BMX camp. They had they had these other little like these little clinics you could take, and so you could yeah. sign up for the week you were there and take photography class. And so every day you would take a photography class for half hour to an hour, and then there was a dark room, right? And so yeah. you would take your photographs. They would they would kind of tell you what you know how to how to like set the aperture and how to set all the things and use this lens today and try to get this kind of an action shot and blah 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 blah. And, yeah. And then at the end of the day, you would come in and you would develop that. You would develop those photographs. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of a cool thing. That yeah, I mean, it's actually coming back too as well. That's Still. cool that it's coming back. My grandfather had a dark room in his basement. Like he would take his own f- photographs. He would go to another basement. He would you know have the chemicals and all that shit. I mean, when you when you think about the process of that, and this goes back to something that you've said before. It's like you're doing you're doing some work. Like, you know, to have this device in, that we all have in our hands that you're right. It takes, this takes a better photograph than any camera I had. I mean, it almost takes a better photograph than my Nikon. Oh, what happened? I was watching it. What take just place happened? <laughs> I must've been because I shook it. Yeah. But anyway, um, this vehicle or this little thing here takes almost better pictures than what my Nikon, you know, yeah. D40 or D30 takes. But it, there's yeah, work. There cool. was a, it was a process. You had to, what I was getting at is there was a process. You had to go out and yeah. find a subject. You had to take the pictures, and you didn't know the other thing too. With this, you can go. Oh no, I didn't, that's not a good one. Let me take another one. Oh, this is not a good one. Let me take another one. With the old 35 millimeter camera, yeah, I have photographs that I developed. I was like, what? What? Yeah, I don't, think that about all like the shit. missed opportunities in the world that people just didn't 
they couldn't capture because they had their settings wrong in their camera or they had the wrong ISO film. You know what I mean? It's just so many things that, that we don't really have to deal with anymore in our, our day and age. But the other thing I wanted to say is um, even, even like when, with me, you know, and while I, f I found such a happiness in painting helmets and smaller projects, I'm able to put a lot more of myself into it. And therefore I think that it shows and the people that are buying these things from me, I think they have a tendency to value them more, you know, because yeah. I'll be honest with it's you. It's a like, very I, personal thing to have a helmet done by you. Yeah. And, it I, really and I want it to be, man, because I, you know, if, if I, if I could find the words to express the anxiety of going into every project like that and trying to put the best fucking thing I can do out there, but still stay within the parameters of what they're looking for, you know, the helmet, like I have no problem spending days on it and not limiting myself on something because it might take longer. Right. You know, like I charge a price and for that price, I'll do whatever the fuck I can to make this as cool as possible. Right. As opposed to if it's a bike, you know, if it was a full bagger, you got to cut bait at some point in those jobs. Yeah. That's a worm. Those jobs are fucking wormholes. I mean, which even ones? what's that? What, which ones? A, a motorcycle paint job. Oh yeah, that's yeah, a wormhole. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can almost get yourself to a point to where it's never done in your head, and it's and that breaks True. something. Yeah. You know, that breaks something in your head. But, and to be honest with you, I mean, as far as I'd love to have a bike painted by you, of course. But yeah. more than having a bike painted by you, I would like to have a helmet painted by you that you yeah. did for me personally, that you know me and you wanted me to have. Like I've yeah. got some. I, I've just started buying artwork and collecting artwork that means something, right? Yeah, yeah. And I have a friend that's a tattoo artist that did, she did my back piece, she did a bunch of work on, on me, and she has these, she did a lithograph, and it's a beautiful fucking, uh, a, a beautiful uh, painting that she did. And she did a numbered, she did a numbered set, right? I didn't get the original, but she mm -hmm. sent me one of the numbered prints, and dude, I took it to the, the nicest frame shop in town. I paid 575 bucks to have it because I want to have it for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm going to, this painting will move with me anywhere I go and do it. That's the kind of stuff. That's where I'm at now. So like that red rum tank, I yeah. want to come up with something that secures that. And it's, you know, I'm trying to make this place have um, substantive quality things on the wall so that people know how I got to the point that I'm at and why I make, I think you can look around this room and hopefully you'll be here someday where you can look around and you can see you'll, you'll understand how I at least articulate and view how I got to where I'm at and the things that make me move. Just like when I was at your shop, I really started getting a taste of that. And a, a, I know it's important to you. I, I don't know if it sounds kind of dumb, but knowing you as long as I've known you and hanging out with you in the, the spaces that I've hung out with you before, um, going to your shop was a very different experience. It was a, it was, you know, borderline spiritual in of that, that it tied everything together that I've been friends with you for so long, but we, you know, you and I are, uh, industry friends first. I mean, that's how we met each other first. So it's like, yeah. I meet you at this event and then we, are you going to this event? Yeah, I'm going to be at this event. Okay. And then we, so we do what we do at that event. And once you break bread with somebody that, yeah. that changes everything, right? When you have a meal with someone and you sit down and you and I have done that several times, so that changes our friendship, right? Mm -hmm. Now now you're a personal friend. Once I have a meal with you and yeah. then I have another meal with you, we're personal friends. And then you invited me into your shop. And then not only did I get to come to your shop, which is a business, I got to go to your 
to your studio, which is something that you are, you know, it's like, um, it's the equivalent to when your daughter was a little girl or your son was a little boy and they brought you something they made at school, right? And they show it to you and the, the vulnerability that's there and you, you know, that takes a lot of, that's a lot of trust that, that your children have in you to show you something they did in school because that could go one way or yeah. the other. You know, you could not understand what it is or have had a bad day and dismiss it. And that that sets the tone for a long time with your children. And it does the same thing with your friends. Like when I bring my, my friends in here, I'm I'm very like, I see all the flaws in the room. Like, oh, you know, last night, Corey was clowning on me this big screen t or this flat screen behind me here. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to keep it there or not. You know, what is that? Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. It was just making some some beeps. But yeah, he, you kind of that a little bit. He could see the cord, you know, on the on that I did. I don't have it like permanently wired into the into the wall and the cord hidden everything yet because I don't know if it's going to stay there. But that's the kind of stuff I see when you come in here. You'd be like, you probably wouldn't even look at it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I went on a well, tangent I mean, there, but I this thing. didn't mean to. <laughs> you know, building the studio with my friends. Like I wish I, you know. Um, I try to associate the experience of just building the studio on top of my paint booth with all my buddies to the same feeling that I've had sitting in my garage, you know, building a bike. You know what I mean? Right. Like just hanging out and just seeing something come together that we're all putting our hands on. And, um, you know, we did that podcast in, in the studio. We called it a new studio who this, right. You know what I mean? And that was a very awesome feeling to sit in this room with, with the guys, I mean, I had a lot of help from a lot of people, but the three guys I had on were the main guys that were here almost daily putting in work, you know, just to be, just as my friend, right. you know, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's surreal, you know, cause I've, I've gotten a chance to ride across country with one of those dudes and then another one wants to, and, you know, just, it, it's just awesome sharing things with people, man. Realistically, I'm not trying to sound super Martha Stewart and shit, but the thing is, is like, is badass as bikers want to come off all the time like we are very sentimental people i think extremely you know I mean? extremely that's why we're so hot-headed yeah. sometimes it's because we're passionate yeah, I mean, about everything that we do and we're we're very guarded but we're also you know we have a, a lot of us have a lot of friends you know what yeah, i mean yeah we, we know a lot of you know a lot of people i know a lot of people yeah and that's what i was telling my wife last night is like sometimes it's it's nice to um you know because i know a lot of people like you just said but then there's the people that I know on a daily basis that I would consider, you know, more of the inner inner circle. Yeah. Sometimes those those areas can kind of be a little bit uh, more toxic, not in a bad way, but you just deal with more shit. You're, you're, the you're getting are good higher. and the bad from your friends mm -hmm. on a daily basis versus like, hey, Jason, you're going through some shit, man. What's going on? Right. You know, it's a little bit more manageable. <laughs> it is from a distance. I agree with that. But that's why, I, you know, I've, I, I always tell people I, I keep five. I got five guys that I keep in my circle, you know, and it doesn't mean that I'm not friends with other people, but those five guys know where they stand and they know that that that's a high stakes relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's Cody yeah, there's responsibilities in there. There is. And th all those guys know what responsibilities they have. There's Cody, Jose, Cam, um, uh, Christian down in Florida. And you know, that, that fifth position is, is up for grabs right now, just based on the fact that my dad passed, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I, I, I keep 
I keep a pretty tight circle of those dudes all have a key to my shop. Those dudes all know where, you know, they're like, uh, I always kid around and say, you gotta have a, you gotta have a porno buddy that knows where you hide, where you hide your porno. So that if shit goes down, they can know where to go in and, and grab it and hide it from your wife, <laughs> you know, yeah. get it out of there. But, um, yeah, I, you know, we, we, the, the space that you created there at the shop is, is definitely, that's what I was saying is you don't have to show that to everybody. Somebody comes to the fast life garage. They don't have to see that. Somebody wants to get their, get their bike painted. They're not a hel- They're not necessarily a helmet, a candidate as a helmet customer, right? Mm-hmm. Every one of those helmets that I've seen, you've captured an element of somebody's personality. Like Aaron Coit is a good example, Midwestern grinder. The helmet you did for him, I think he probably came to you with a pretty, a, a pretty narrow scope of what he was looking for, but yeah. no one can articulate what you do. For, completely you understand what i'm saying yeah you know it's uh you know the the good thing about it is with the helmets and with a lot of my customers now is um i guess because my life is so open with the podcast and with uh with the way i kind of run my social media and stuff (laughs) yeah um my my customers are i i feel like i'm fucking blessed to have the people and the support system i have I mean, these guys are spending thousands and thousands of dollars with me over time, and they're patient. They want my work in a happy place. Like they're not looking at the work that they're paying me to do as a, uh, you know, like as more of a. Yeah, they're not like, hey, I need this like, right fucking now. Yeah, dude, I paid you last month. Where is yeah. it at? Like, they know that I take my work very seriously. And I'm doing it as fast as possible. You know, like I'm super behind right now. You're not doing it as fast sh- as possible. You're doing it in the in the, the amount of time that it takes to get it done at the level you want to get it done to them at. End of. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, we're blessed. We're both blessed to have that position. It, we're neither one of us is going to get rich from from the motorcycle deal. Now that's not going to be. If it ever happens, that's not where it's going to be. But we're both okay enough to where we don't have to, I don't have to eat any shit anymore. I don't eat any shit from customers. As soon as somebody starts giving me shit, I calmly, carefully, I don't need their, I'm not, I'm going to be just fine if I don't have their money too. And so I'll just push your bike outside. That's fine. We're I, I structured, I structured my entire business so that, um, I don't have to, you know, like when I had employees and I did that stuff, I, you know, I, I realized that I have to, like you're good because your employees actually pay their bills. They pay their way. Mine, right. when I had employees, they helped me make money. They didn't make me money. Right. You know what I mean? So now that I'm kind of a solo act here, you know, it gets lonely. But I can't do it. Yeah, I'm it, a very it, social it, um, person. It allows me to uh, to be like, you know what? I'm I feel completely off today. I'm not feeling this project. I had I had too many fucking robocalls today. They pissed me off. I'm fucking, I'm done for the day. I'm done. Yep. And, and honestly, when you're creating art, man, like, especially nowadays in my mind and in my life, I find that a lot more, uh, I, I can, I can be flipped into a very negative mind space very quickly. Well, nowadays. you're an artist. All artists can do that. All artists can, can do that. It, it sucks. Not, because it's like, a, I'm not faulting you for it, push, man. Yeah. I used to be able to push through a lot of that stuff and I used to be able to you know, still create things, but I used to also, I wouldn't say I didn't care as much about the, the end product of what I was putting out there. Cause I definitely did. I just looked at it more from a stance of, uh, 
you know, like I, I need this done by Friday because I need to get the bills done. So this has to be as cool as I can get it done. That you weren't being an artist at that point. You know, no, that's part was, of the problem. You're being a business person only. Yeah. And I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination. What I do is not art. I, by, and I'm, I'm not fishing for any kind of a compliment. I'm, I'm, I approach, I will tell you that I approach every single project I do from a mechanical standpoint. Like I look at things very linear. Um, you know, my favorite hot rods, my favorite race cars and stuff were always the factory hot rods. You know, back in the 60s, you could go order a 65 Bel Air uh, with, no power steering, no power brakes, radio delete, heat only, no air, rubber floor mat, bench seat, four speed. Like that, to me, if I had a time machine and you said, hey, you know, some people would go back in time and get a Ferrari or, a, you know, some kind of, not me. If you gave me, you know, you said, you got a time machine, you can go back and get one car. What is it? It would probably be a Chevy. It would be one of three different Chevys. And it would, they would all, it would be a bench seat, four speed, you know, hot rod yeah. with no frills. So when I build a bike for myself, it's a no frills bike. I don't, I don't fluff on anything. The, the prettiest bike I ever built was that angel of death bike. And if you take the paint off of it, <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's just a rough and tumble chopper. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, Darren made it look nice, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm building a new bike using those old tins that I got because the same reason that I want to have you do a helmet at some point in time is because Darren did that for me. That's my paint. And I'm glad that I was able to get it back after 10 years. And the guy who owned it, he even said, he's like, look, this isn't my bike. This is your bike. You need to have this back. And so that's, that's why we did what we did. Um, I want to switch gears and talk to a little bit about, there's some things that I want, people to kind of maybe understand a little bit and I want to talk about your West Coast trip but before I do that I want to talk about some not give you an opportunity to plug your sponsors but I want to talk about the sponsorship side of thing because when someone listens to the Fast Life Garage podcast you know you do your reads in the front you talk about it and throughout the course of um, your conversation those things get worked in organically but like pick a company like Lex and Moto and talk about um a relationship with a how like it will the thing that you can't talk about on your podcast is how that relationship gets structured and how that makes you feel and how you know what does that mean i mean you know i mean these are not these are companies that that believe in your brand and believe in what you're doing and obviously they support you and you support them and you know you're one of these people that um you're very honest you're very open but you're also you're you're very much a doer not a sayer yeah. Uh, I feel like I talk too much sometimes. <laughs> no, what I'm about talking about I'll, when I say you're a doer, not a sayer, is like you don't, you're not putting anything on your bike that you don't, you're not putting anything on your podcast that you don't put on your bike. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's kind of the thing is like maybe, maybe that's what makes me great, but it's also what makes me not the best business guy. Because if I was smart and I wanted to make a lot of money with my sponsors in my business, I would be, pressuring each one of my current sponsors with other sponsors that want their spot, which is the truth. I have a lot of people that seem to hit me up. Some, some of them don't want to, you know, what I charge per, per ad space. Um, they don't see the value in that, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, if, if this price, which let, let's just be honest, is not much of anything is right. too much for, for me to help you sell your product. I don't think you have enough faith in your own product, to be honest with you. That's a good point. That's a very you good know. point. So when you're when you're parsing that out, um, 
I can't be that honest though. I can't be, they'll be like, fuck you, (laughs) you know, but that's the truth. I mean, if you, if you really made a great product, you know, and you believe in it the same way I believe in this product of a podcast that that was created and its ability to, uh, to, you know, do something for your product, you know, then you, you gotta have a little bit of faith and you gotta understand that the world works on money, you know? You giving me a set of bar and risers doesn't do shit for me to be able to get that bike to California to do the podcast that you're paying to be a part of, you know? Fair dues. I agree with that. But at the same time, um, have you thought about doing, like, making, this is just a thought, um, is making part of, like, okay, every podcast that you do, and you've done a fuck ton of them, and, like, you went to California and you did, uh, let's just say you did 10. Maybe mm-hmm. you did more, maybe you did a couple less, but I, I think you did 10 or right at. So don't you feel like there's some value in you doing um, some podcasts by yourself that are just product reviews? Have you thought about that? You know, I, I've I've been asked to, you know, uh, Big Bear asked me to do it for the, the Olin suspension, but I don't know if I'm well-versed enough to be able to use the right words to describe what needs to be described for those things. You See, know what I mean? You bring that up. You you bring that up a, a lot of time. You're not, you're not self-deprecating, but um, I think that's the charm. I think that's why people listen to you. Is you're not you don't have someone's hand isn't shoved up your back pulling a string. You're like, hey, yeah. you know, you're Jace. This is what it is. I don't think you should try to. I mean, you should always read and you should always try to increase your vocabulary and you should always try to, you know, throw a few more words in there. But that's not what people expect from you. What people expect from you is truth. They expect to be entertained. They expect to, um, you know, get introduced to something that's new or someone that's new. You know, I mean, you have an immense audience that a lot of other people don't have. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I ride a lot. Like I, on average, I do close to 30,000 miles a year on a bike. And I plan to do that every year that I'm alive and able to. Right. Mm-hmm. So if, for instance, Olin Suspension wants to work with me and they send me suspension and I'm running that on my 30,000 miles a year. That's because I fucking like it and it works, right? right? I don't I don't know if I'm smart enough in the understanding of suspension technology to tell you why that's better than Legends or any other brand, but it works for me and I like being in that space better than pitting companies against each other. Okay. I agree because then you know then you almost like to talk about a product you have to talk about it with a comparison to something else in some aspects i i i've always well so my thing with that is, is like victory customers i used to get these victory guys that would come in here and they would bag on harleys i'm like i'm like okay why is your victory better and they instantly go right to well you know a harley can't do that and i'm like wait a minute if you can't tell me why a victory is better without telling me why without using harley in any of it yeah then then I think your analogy is full of shit. I don't think you're telling me Harley just doesn't say the war Reeboks instead of Nikes in the nineties. That's all it is to it. What? <laughs> the so, Reebok is the is the is the victory to Harley that Nike that you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I get Nikes it. He's worth shit and everybody that couldn't afford Nikes got Reeboks. I'm old enough to remember though when Reeboks were the shit. In eighty four, eighty five. Eighty four and eighty five, man. If you were if where I when when I was living in, in the woodlands down there in Houston. If you had yeah. Reeboks, boy, you were that was the joint. If you had them Reeboks, that was before the Jordans, though. That was yeah. You know. So, so one of the you know back to your sponsor thing. One of the the struggles, if anything, is um, 
is people to understand, you know, just like a magazine was like you would send in products to magazines and then they would review it and whatnot. And, and then if it was a product and you wanted to continue to do some sponsorship with it, then it went to a financial side. Right. And it doesn't, it, th that doesn't change. Like it takes a lot of effort to put out content with this podcast. Right. Right. Not, not to mention the fact that we built this studio and, you know, we have a good reach in our podcast. So any business like actual business or, or somebody that wants to get their message out, it's worth the $200 flight from anywhere in the country to come to Dallas to be on this. Right. Right. Some people know that and some people get that. That's why like Lex and one of my biggest sponsors, they did that. They flew their guide to Dallas and now we're the biggest seller of their products as far as their, their marketing. Right. Right. It's because they made effort to come and be a part of the game instead of waiting on Jace to hop on a bike and ride across country to come do some free marketing for you. You know what I mean? Like I, that's the, that's the asshole side of me that, that I would like to be sometimes. But the truth is I need zippers cams to be on my podcast. Cause I need, cause I, well, I run one, but I also want other people to hear about this brand. Just like I want them to hear about fueling, just like I want them to hear about SNS. Like I don't want to have a biased, uh, a bit like I don't want to not bring on different competing brands onto the podcast because I'm a sponsor of one. Right. You. But let's be real. Like how many companies out there are there that I need, I need these companies to sponsor me so that I have the financial freedom to do these podcasts. Right. And the financial ability to, in some cases go to them to do it. So it's a, it's a real fine line because the, the thing is that we we're giving away something that's free. Everybody can listen to the podcast for free. Right. My hope is that I've created an honest enough relationship with the listeners that when they hear a sponsor of mine or they hear whatever, they know that he, they're sponsors because I believe in those people or those products or those services. We just set up as a dealer I'm with Lex and Moto because of you. Huh? At the shop. Oh, we just set up a, as a dealer for Lex and Moto because of you for a lot of reasons. One, I've never used a communicator device, right? And mm -hmm. this is what I told the folks over at Lexon was I can I can get Cena's, I can get an, any number of them from Drag or you know, Parts Unlimited, Tuckeraki, WPS. But I I honestly want to invest in Lexon because they're I mean, investing in us. Well us as a community of motorcyclists. Right, but you use them. Mm -hmm. And I know that you don't have things on your podcast that you don't use yourself. And I know that if I want to, if I, when I go riding with you, if I don't have a Blexing communicator, I'm not going to, then it's, it's worthless, right? No, I mean, you could still connect, but the thing is with them or, you know, like, so I, I never ran one before that. I never rode with a Cena. I never rode with a, name your other headset. I, I've never ridden with it. So my thing is whenever I'm talking about it, I'm just saying, look, from a no other comparison standpoint, this fucking thing does what I need it to do. I can listen to podcasts and ride bikes. Right. That's a that's a good testament to show the sound quality of a headset. Well, right? for me, it's just that I know that you don't endorse something that you don't use and don't believe in. So it was an easy, it was a no-brainer for me to go with them instead of going with somebody else. I you didn't feel like, like there was, I didn't, instance, uh, I didn't, there was no blind, I didn't have to take a step without looking. So you, you take Boosted Bread, a friend of yours, a friend of mine, who came on as a sponsor. Like, I don't have anything that he sells on my bike or um, 
in my shop actually. Right. But I know Brad, I know his products, and my friends run his products. Right. Therefore, I was completely ecstatic whenever he offered or wanted to become a sponsor because I know that his products are solid based on the fact that that I've been in this industry long enough and I've seen enough products come through my shop and come through my bikes, my friends' bikes, to know quality products, even if I'm not personally riding them every day. You know, but I'm I get hit up a lot by want me to, you know, ride their stuff. And honestly, I mean, I'll be I'll be done with the uh the the sponsorship with uh Big Bear and um Olin's come April and I'm probably gonna see what else is out there to see what I can do, you know, just for that aspect. So but, you're being fair, open, honest, and you have something good to bad to compare it to, right? Yeah, but I don't I don't even really want to pit people against each other, man. Like no, I don't I'm not wanna, saying that, but I, you it's know? not that at all. But yeah. I mean think about how much it's just input. It's just input. Yeah. It's like reading two different self help books from two different authors have th- that have two completely different ideas of, of how to get to to the headspace that you need to be See, in. When it comes to products and it comes to brands in our in our world across the board, whether it's the cell phone you pick defines who you are as a person versus the products that you put on your bike. I I just don't want to tap into too much tribalism in my listeners to where they feel this um this pressure to be more aggressive towards their brands that they choose. I just want them to know, like, look, man, I, I wore a bell all last year for the simple fact of having that experience in a bell helmet versus the Simpson that I prefer to wear. And mm-hmm. it's not nothing about the bell itself. It was just that I found myself to like Simpsons more. And it just so happens to be that that company works with me in a lot more ways than bell was. I mean, I'm, I I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but I think that I'm a much bigger asset to Simpson motorcycle helmets than I would be to Bell, considering Bell has Kerry Hart and Twitch and every famous dirt bike rider ever, and you know all these famous people. Like I'm I'm a drop in the bucket compared to those dudes. Right. But you know, at Simpson, like it's unknown, and then you got me. And I mean, there's tons and tons of race car drivers, but in the motorcycle side, I mean, yeah, who else? Not many, right. <laughs> You know, and you, so and it's like I have a, a chance to to be a much bigger part of a company. And and the other thing about like a lot of the companies out there is like putting miles down, which I'm not saying that the miles I put down are the most of anybody. I know there's dudes that put stupid miles down out there. I'm just a dude in the industry that puts miles down. And I wish to to at some point in my career be able to work with companies on products and um, things that they create that will make – my experience, which will make other riders' experiences so much better on the road. Because I know a lot of companies don't have the ability to do it themselves. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you give uh, a small um, cottage-sized company a real opportunity to have an R&D department that they don't have yeah. to fund on a full-time basis. And they're probably going here, – here's something that I, I want you to think about – they're going to get a much more objective opinion from somebody that's not uh, relying on them for sustenance. Meaning, you know, yeah. if you hire a guy to do R&D and you pay him a lot of money and he gets used to that money or she gets used to that money, they're not pretty soon they're going to they're going to fall prey to your echo chamber. Yeah. Right? Where you're going to be like, "Hey man, I really don't think this is good." And that's one of the things with the the Wheels of Steel show that I'm working on. 
Mm-hmm. I don't get any money out of it, and I don't want any money out of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't put my company name on everything because that's not why I'm doing it. I want to do it because I want it to be a good show. And yeah. if it's not, I'm not going to be involved with it. And I want to be able to always have it. My exit strategy is that I'm honest. If you can't handle that, then I'll go. End yeah. of. I'm not going to I'm not going to mince words with you. I'm not going to argue. I'm not none of them. And we're just going to this is what we're going to do. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, it's a you know, it's there, there's a lot of aspects to it that, you know, I'm trying to learn as far as growing and finding out how to, you know, I would love to be able to do this podcast thing as my full time gig. I mean, just freeing up the extra time to be able to do that and the, the type of how much faster I'd be able to grow. Uh, it, it's it's exciting to me, but that day's not here yet. And the other thing that creates content for the podcast is the work that I do. <laughs> it's I, kind of a yeah. I get it. So, you know, and that's kind of why I like building this shop the way it is. It's like the fantasy factory for any motorcycle guy. You know, I got the ability to wrench on bikes, paint bikes, podcast, video, fucking all those different angles. And so, like, now I I literally love being here in my shop. That's like, good. It's, it's, yeah, it's comfortable. Like, I mean, I dig it here because I can do anything I want in here, whatever I feel creative about. You know, I can, I have the tools, I have the the space to do it. And, um, you know, the, it's just, like I said, it, the podcasting thing for us all is, is still new. And a lot of bigger companies are still, um, starting to see what they really are in the reach, you know? Right. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, if continental tires, whoever makes their decisions decided to live, listen to one of my podcasts, they're, they're not going to go this dude's going to sell a shit ton of tires for us, even though I know I will. The problem is, is that I don't come across as the, uh, as the, um, like Jeff Holt. I, I don't have his ability to be as professional as he can be. Like I say shit and do shit that probably would be frowned upon <laughs> with, with companies. But the problem is, is that I worry about that for myself, but I don't do this for money and I don't see, you know, I don't know that I could, I, I, I'm not, that's not the, I'm not ever looking for this to be my full-time gig. It would have to happen just yeah. by virtue of it being what it is. I don't think I started this with the intention of it. I mean, I don't I don't think I did. I, just, I think that's a byproduct of some Hard of the work. successes I've had in it. Yeah. You know, it's like having a taste of what it would feel like to to travel on my bike and do podcasts or sitting in this room like today. Like I, I did a three-hour podcast and then went to lunch, and then now I'm on this podcast with you. Like that's a whole day you know, yeah, filling it with my fucking mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm so, so I mean, in a sense, like I would love, dude, I'm in clean clothes. I have nice jeans on and some nice shoes. My hands aren't covered in paint. Right. There's part of this right now. That's fucking real enticing, man. Oh, I you get know? it. I get it. I'm not saying that it's not enticing. It's just that you mentioned, um, that you love going to work and that the space that you created is good. And, you know, um, the shop I had two shops ago, uh, the, it was a it was a shop that was probably about the size of yours, and that was the most comfortable, fun shop I had ever had. It, I was bursting at the seams. I had too many bikes. It was the it was a bad layout. It was a real piss poor layout. But um, I I missed that kind of area where I kind of it was real. Everything was right there. Everything was within yeah. my within my reach. We're here, you know. We're in such a big building now that where my tools are, are, you know, a 200 foot walk 
up to my office with, which is going to yeah. be my podcast. So I have to like, you know, I get stopped well, 10 times on the way up here. A lot of businesses, things. man, like especially in this industry, you have to find a happy medium between uh, the growth that we're all capable of and we do quality work and finding that that growth is going to bring on things that's going to make us a little bit more less likely to want to do this, right? Right. You can grow your – like you really can grow this business easily. Um, but what happens is it takes a toll on you like we were talking about at the beginning of this, this podcast about just getting burned out on things. You know, like as much as we all need customers and don't want to just talk shit about them all the time, like customers can take, they can suck or pump you full of happiness or sadness. You know, there's two kinds of people on this planet, faucets and drains. Yeah. You have to decide which one you want to be. You know what I mean? And sometimes, sometimes it's day day by day. (laughs) And so when you, when you create a bigger place and more responsibility and more overhead, you don't get the luxury to, to turn away a lot of those drains. And oh, so right. you have to kind of deal with it and you got to, and, and what happens is, is you absorb all that negative energy and that negative shit and your family gets it. You know what I mean? Like you're still nice to the customer, but you're going home and you're kind of a cunt to your wife. You know, your kids are annoying to you because you're already coming home and like it just does. It, it passes down to the people you care about the most is yeah. what I'm saying. When you, when you absorb a lot of negative customer energy, yeah, you know I would I mean? agree with that 100%. I mean, you know, we all have bad days. I try to – I find that the longer the ride home is, the the less – the more decompressed I am. And now I'm like – I live a mile away from here, so I got seven minutes to, to wind down. So I end up going home a little frustrated probably more often than I should. But I'm, I'm learning how to deal with it. Yeah, and that's the thing it. is like we're all fucking – you know, like if you were to ask me 15 years ago or 10 years ago what – what is success and what is the goal of Jason, the fast lifer at that time, live fast customs. It would have been like, man, I want to shop with employees. I want parts on the wall. I want service. I want a paint shop. I want, and now I look at that and I'm like, ugh. hell, when I met you four years ago, you wanted to have, you wanted to have a, a bike shop that people came in and had parts and the whole deal. Yeah, I did too. I, I did, you know, and, um, you just kind of, you know, as, as you in this industry, man, certain curtains get pulled back and, you know, and you're kind of privy to certain seeing certain things the way they can be. And they're not really worth it for us all. Some of us feed off that responsibility and energy that has to be expended. You know, you, see, uh, you broke you up me? a little bit at the end. You said, did you say Steve Jobs? No, no. Oh. I said uh, some people feed off that much responsibility oh. of expending that much energy you know, f- into their, into whatever they're doing. And the most and, successful uh, I ever was in my whole life, the most accomplished I ever felt in my entire life is when I got up at five o'clock in the morning, drove to the school, taught all day, came back to the shop, worked till seven o'clock at night, went home, graded papers, had dinner with my wife and kids, went to bed tired and did that over and over. And I had the podcast at the time. So I would try to do that at least twice, you know, once or twice a month or whatever. And uh, that was the most accomplished I ever felt in my life. But it was also I was I went to bed every night exhausted, dude. There was not very many sleepless nights. The what what I really strive for, what I'm like hungry for, is like some a little bit more structure in my life. Like with, with paint, I I don't really get to dictate how long things take. You know what I mean? Like if I right. start a project, I got to kind of run through it. And sometimes that could be, uh, you know, I could do that in eight hours, or sometimes it's sixteen hours. You know what I mean? And that part makes it hard to get into the habit of going to the gym, uh, eating relatively good meals at a, at a reasonable amount of time. Like there's just so many things in life 
that get out of focus because you have to focus on these projects, which become the most important things because that's what's paying your livelihood and your families. But it tends to be very um, hard to find any structure. Like my daughter's, uh, you know, she lives about 200, 150 miles away, goes to school, high school, call. I mean, she's about to start college, play soccer. And, you know, she doesn't really understand why I can't stop on a Thursday every week and drive up there to watch her play soccer and trying to explain to her why I just feel like a, a jackass, an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, it's just different. Cause you're far and this and that. And I have to have this done because I got child support and I got this, you know what I mean? There's all these, right. these things that take place that they get very, very, um, the, the only way to get out of it is to work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then you solve all those problems. And then all the problems that you couldn't fix become the new problems. And you have to deal with that, with more time, and that becomes just the time that you spend with people, you know? I don't know how we got on that, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we were talking about, like, uh, I don't I don't know how we got on that subject, but um, so the, kind of the, the wrap-up to everything I wanted to talk about was, you know, so you're obviously, you're, you've taken on a lot more responsibility with the podcast. Uh, you're still painting motorcycles and helmets and stuff, and so, what are some of the things, so when you, let's talk like uh, kind of technically about the difference between like um, your download, don't you, have, you don't have to use any numbers because I know that's proprietary stuff and, and no one needs to know what that is. But when you're looking at, when you're looking at your audience, I think people that, um, I'm hoping that people that have podcasts will listen to this podcast because they'll see that you're on it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, you know, I, when I listen to Joe Rogan, I, I'll be yelling into the, into the fucking radio, like, ask him this, ask him that, you yeah. know, you know, like you're like, you want to find out. Yeah. So how do you measure that success? Like, what is the difference between when you, do you look at your RSS views? Like how many times people like streamed it? Or do you look at downloads only? Or do you like, what is the most important metric for you? I really don't know. I mean, there's that dopamine hit you get when you see like how many downloads per episode and per month. And I think that's the only thing I focus on, you know, is like, and it doesn't really give you the analytics to tell you, okay, that there was 400 people to listen to this or 4,000 or 40,000. You just see downloads and you don't know if that dude listened to the podcast three times, right? Right. You you just don't get those kind of analytics. It's not that specific, but I judge my podcast success off of like what I hear from the audience. Like Mm -hmm. if, if 10 dudes are fucking like stoked that you do a podcast, it kind of makes you feel like, fuck man, like somebody digs this. Right. So you read the comments then? No, I don't read the, I don't, there's nowhere to put comments. I'm talking, okay. No, I'm talking about on, uh, so are you looking at Instagram? Are you looking at the Uh, people tag me and stuff or, like I said, I think maybe at the beginning of this podcast, like I get these long drawn out, um, you know, stories from people about how the podcast has done something for them. Right. And, and the only other way that I uh, would associate this to success is like talking with the sponsors and knowing that that my audience finds their products and has been reaching out or purchasing them and things like that. I mean, that's what it's all about. Like I'm trying to bridge a gap between the audience and the guest and, and his story or her story or the brand story or their thoughts. And I'm also trying to bridge a gap between the audience and the sponsors who help make the podcast possible. So, um, 
I really can only judge my success off the fact that the, the sponsors that I have stay on board and want to stay on board and continue to support it and that the guests continue to find value in the podcast that we're creating. Um, I wish that there was, you know, I, I've been as of recently um, trying to understand, you know, if you ever go type in like top motorcycle podcasts uh, in like Google or some shit, like my shit never comes up. You know what I mean? Dan, Danger Dan's never comes up. Right. But I, I know that me and him probably have some of the highest listener rates in the motorcycle podcast space. I would agree with that. And so I, you know, and I don't really get how they, they, they come to, to make those decisions or, or find the analytics to show someone, you know, there'll be a podcast and it'll be like, this has the most, this is the top rated motorcycle podcast in America. And I'll go look it up on iTunes. It's got 57 reviews. (laughs) And I'm like, are you going off reviews and like rated on, on the thing? Because if that's the case, I got way more reviews and rate ratings from like Apple and things like that. So I don't really know where they're finding their, their, um, well, I now know that like my, I show up on Spotify. I yeah. show up on iHeartRadio. I'm on iTunes. I mean, just those three places. And that's not even the little, the smaller little server, you know, yeah. feeds like, you can go right to I, I, where I keep my podcast is right now is Podomatic. You can go there and download their player and yeah. uh, listen to it there too if you want. But I mean, there's I don't know how they figure that out. So I've been I've been kind of trying to trying to figure that out. You know what I mean? But I, it's just a thought. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. Like that that that's kind of one of the things that becomes kind of complicated to pitch to sponsors. You know because you know like. Also, like, you never know what the audience is going to be interested in, man. Like, I, I might be totally stoked about a product that comes to the door and then, you know, and use it and know that if everybody else used it, they'd find so much value in it, but they just might not dig it, you know? And then we, I get sponsors too that aren't necessarily looking for a call to action button, you know? Like, that's they just want to be heard. Hmm. You hear me? Yeah, oh, I can hear you. I'm saying but that's so, weird. Well, so would... like like Thundermax, Thundermax. I've been running Thundermax computers on my fuel injected bikes for quite a few times, uh, quite a few years. Right. After meeting those guys and hanging out with them in Sturgis and stuff, they came to me wanting to be a sponsor. I'm just telling people about Thundermax. I'm not, hey, go to Thundermax.com and use offer code this to get yourself one. So there are certain companies out there that want to just get their product heard in places. I mean, if you think about it, that's what a magazine was. There was, was no like click and go straight and put the magazine offer code in no there was oh so uh, go yeah go get an old magazine i'm going to tell you about this so go get it because i noticed that i picked this up many 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 years ago when i was in bmx yeah look at an old magazine ad in the back of the magazine and it'll tell you use uh offer code and if it's in the back of hot rod magazine it'll be like hr you know 10 and that's the code like use this code and that's how they would track are they getting is it Carcraft that's getting it, or is it Hot Rod Magazine that's getting it? Is it BMX Plus? Yeah. Is it BMX Action? That kind of shit did actually happen, but, you know. Um, they did a shit job putting that out there because I didn't know about it. It was little, in little tiny numbers. It, look in the, it's mostly in the smaller ads in the back of the, in the, back of the book. You know, you, you could have like a business card size ad. If you look in that now, you'll you go back and you'll see it. You'll be surprised. But we just picked up. I just got um, our first what I would consider major sponsor, and then we've got um, – two smaller 
one smaller confirmed sponsor, and I, I don't. They were like, "What do you want us to do?" And I'm like, uh, "I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. not now. I'm now. I've got to. Okay, so I mean, I can tell you who our biggest sponsor is. It's going to be um, Nam's Lighting, Nam's Badland and Electric Lighting. They're going to be a sponsor for us. And uh, there's a company called Full Bore Clean, which is a hand cleaner company. Yeah, they're going to be kind of a minor sponsor for us. And then uh, I had somebody ask me last night. It was like you said. They're like, "Well, what do you need? Do you need money? Do you need product? What What can I do yeah. to help?" And it's like, I'm not. I'll, I'm right now. I'm not in a position where I want to take money. I'm not at your level where you have a program. Like I'm sure you you have a program. So I started out doing. You could either do four episode sponsorship, a ten episode sponsorship, or we can just go in perpetuity. And so there would just have to be yeah. some sort of an agreement where it's either product. So what what I what I one of the things that kept me on track of doing this podcast is the fact that I took money for sponsors, right? right? So it's it's no different than like I look at my sponsors as no different than if they were paying me to paint a bike. They just paid me for something that I have to do now. Right. So that kept me on board with consistency because I promised them four podcasts a month, right? And we've been blowing that out of the water for the last six months, right? But I guarantee four. I, I, you know, a year ago it was much more complicated to produce four podcasts a month. A, getting guests on was a little bit more difficult. B, right. um, not you know being here in Dallas, there's only so many people local. And then, you know, until now, like people didn't take it seriously. You know, I would be calling people left and right, like, hey, or texting them or sending them a message on Instagram, like, hey, man, do, are you ready to do this podcast? No, let's, let's do it Thursday. Let's do it Thursday. And then Thursday comes around like, oh, man, I'm super busy today. All right, I'm going to fuck off then, dude. Yeah, like, I'm tired of trying it. to do free shit for you, man. Like, yep. you're a business, and I have a platform to give you free advertising, and you can't fucking, like, ca like carve out an hour and a half. Exactly. You know, fuck it. I'll get my brother on. We'll talk about music or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Trading buttholes for bikes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that part that that's been the most frustrating thing about the podcast thing. It's like, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to vent too much here, but no, like, I... like say for instance, um, and I, you know, even though I have a lot of respect for the shop, I'm not going to say who it is. Um, I, when I rode to California in February of last year and I went to, I actually went to Vegas. I did some work with Sean from TOL. And right. Then I rode on into LA I stopped at a shop to do a podcast, you know, and mind you, they were busy. It was during the week. It was a work week, but I just fucking rode my bike across the country to come bring you onto my platform. And just, if, if you could just like make some effort <laughs> to help meet me halfway, not even halfway, just, can you meet me at 90%? I just did 90%. Can you give me 10%? You know, and, and so like I'm in there and, you know, they're getting ready to go out of town and, you know, they have a lot of shit going on and I get it, man. I truly, I truly do. And that's why I don't, I'm not mad at this shop, but I'm just using it as an example right. that, you know, I, it, it's just, a, it, it's just a thing, man. You know, like when I went and did this stuff with San Diego customs recently, they were, they were closed on Monday. They came to the shop, opened it up, set it in and gave me effort. I want to say something about that. That was, to me, all the podcasts, and I've listened to almost every podcast you've done. There's a couple that I get halfway through them, and they're just, they don't keep me in the, but that's going to happen when you're doing as yeah. much content as you're doing. So don't take it as a personal slam. Yeah. That podcast, and the one with Danny G, 
were two of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. I put them up there with Everlast on on Rogan for me, which is my all-time favorite, and the first two that Kreischer did on Rogan because I have a I I didn't I didn't I never didn't have respect for those guys, but I I didn't know those guys, and I watched yeah. their podcast that Night Moves deal, and you hear things, you know, people t- rumors and bullshit and other people's unfavorable experience with somebody. I want to know those dudes. Yeah. I want to know those. You know what? I don't, I want to, you know, I, I, I'm not at a level where I feel like I can reach out to them and have them on, on my podcast. And I don't know if it'll work on the phone. Those guys, yeah. right. Some don't, some do, some don't. Yeah. Um, those guys have got it going on in it. They're, they're, they, even when they're clowning around with each other, they're fucking professional. I don't know how to explain it. There was just an aura about them. And I don't know if that's what you took away from that, but that's, and it, don't answer it. That's what I, that's what I took away from it. Yeah. I took away from it that we were dealing with guys that are operating in a space where they're fucking serious about everything yeah. they fucking do. And they take everything they do serious and do not try to say that they're not being serious because they'll, they'll, cl- they'll, they'll, they'll prove that they, that you are, that they are being serious. They'll show you how serious they are. Yeah, man, they were, um, you know, Danny G and, and especially, you know, the, the guys at San Diego, they, they, you know, a lot of people have really liked those podcasts and I, and I've told everyone all I did was hit record. You know what I mean? That's what those, I'm saying. Those dudes, those guys ran, ran themselves. Like they, yeah. they knew what to talk about. They knew how to talk to each other. They knew how to talk to you. They knew how to get you to talk. They knew how to get, it was, uh, that was very good. And, and those kinds of things inspire me to a point to where that's, the space I'm trying to get, I, you know, I'm, I'm really comfortable talking on a microphone. I'm really comfortable doing hot reads. I'm really comfortable doing cold reads and producing commercial spots and all that stuff. Uh, but what I'm, uh, and I'm good at talking, I can go up and talk to anybody, but sometimes I talk too fast. Sometimes I talk too much. Sometimes I talk too loud and, Mm -hmm. and, and I want to be, I want people to want to listen to me. And so I have to learn how to develop that. That's the, I have to learn how to develop a better muscle of listening. I, I want, I want people to listen to me, listen to me too, or just listen to the, the, the people I have on and deal with my shit. <laughs> so it's, um, but it's, but you know, like, that's the thing though, you know, if I was going to take anything away from the podcast that both San Diego customs and Danny G did separately, um, realistically, all I did was hit record, but, um, it was the podcast that I built that they agreed to do. Right. Right. Like, you know, the guys at Samuel Custom says they don't really like to do podcasts and they don't do much, but they wanted to do mine. And that meant a lot to me. And, um, you know, same thing with Danny G. Danny G's been on Danny Dixon's podcast before. Right. And uh, I'm sure he might have. I mean, he's been on the Night Moves podcast before. But for some reason, I got the Danny G story. You know what I mean? That could have went to anybody. Yeah. That could went to Speed Kings. That could have went to you. That could have went to. Somebody else, but for some reason, me and Danny G sitting on his back porch as the sun's going down in Oceanside, California, and he's telling me that story that everybody and their mom just fell in love with. Like, I got that somehow. Yeah. Like, as a journalist, if, if I was going to say, like, I didn't need to be filler. I didn't need to be funny. I didn't need to be relatable. I just needed to be there for him to talk to to capture that. Capture that. That. You know, same thing with the – the shit with those guys from San Diego Customs is like, I mean, 
you gotta understand like when you're getting into someone else's like i'm in san diego customs right right i'm sitting at their desk i'm sitting there with danny g who is their friend i know him but i don't know him like they know each other right those three dudes trip out all the time like that together so i'm having to come into their environment and try to get on their level which I don't think I did at all. I mean, like I said, I, think, I was dude, there. I don't think there's getting on their it's, level. Not well, not it's not. And I'm not trying to compare it. And I'm not looking for like any kind of validation. I'm just saying that like there's the dynamic that takes place in certain conversations where it, it doesn't need to be my voice or my direction of things. Here's what I yeah. took away from that: that those three dudes have seen the seen or gone through some shit with each other. Yeah, seen some shit. Those dudes, you know that old three can keep a secret of two are dead kind of mantra. Those those three dudes have some secrets, and you can just tell. They communicate, in a, they communicate in a, in a, on a higher level with each other, almost interstellarly. They knew what was coming out of each other's mouth. Kind of, You know what I'm saying? Because they all rely on each other. They, they, yeah. they rely on each other for their livelihoods, and they have a mutual respect for each other, which allows them to have a dynamic that, that you know, like, like that inner circle you talked about, you know what I mean? Right. And, and so it's just, you know, it's just cool that I was able to capture that. And I'm, I'm honored to be that if you want to hear one of the best two podcasts out there, motorcycle related, that they happen to be on the fast life podcast like that, that means a lot to me. You know what I mean? And that's yep. one of the things about, that's what it is about being a photographer. That's what it is about being someone, uh, you know, a journalist on a podcast is that at some point you have to understand that you're not the subject matter. Exactly. You know? That's what I, that's what I was saying that I have to figure that out for myself. That's, that's the point where I'm at now where, you know, and one of the things you did that was brilliant. And I thought about this earlier today that, and I can't do it because you already did it and it doesn't make sense. So I have to kind of do it peripherally and kind of little bits and pieces was you were the first person that sat down and said, here's my story. So yeah. I'm never, you don't have to rehash it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to try to make sure it gets fit in. You don't have to try to prove anything to anybody. Everybody knows where you're vulnerable, where you're not vulnerable. Everybody knows, knows that you got fucked. Everybody knows how you got fucked and everybody has. So you, you basically made it to where you're not clownable. People can't clown on you yeah. because I mean, you just the, you put I did it out. The there. B-Rabbit move, man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, well, the thing is when I did that podcast, man, A, I was only, I was, that was what, six months into the podcast doing right. it. Yeah. You know? And that's and what I said. I, you made yourself very vulnerable right out of the gate, dude. That could have fucked a lot of people off. Yeah. Well, you were honest. It's, um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I had, I couldn't go back and listen to it and I had a hard time doing it. And I was even more, I felt kind of arrogant for taking two podcasts and, and two hours each talking about myself. You know what I mean? No, but, it's um, content. The thing was, it's like, it, it's kind of like, I don't know if you saw the post that I made on Instagram yesterday about um, the vulnerabilities that I have as a, as a custom paint airbrush artist. I did, yeah. And the struggle, right? Well, I think a lot, I think I don't think I did the right job of dictating how that, what I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to say I'm depressed and need to be put on a suicide watch. That wasn't the goal. The goal was saying like, hey, I'm at this level of a custom paint airbrush artist. And I struggle with things just like everybody else does. So if you are another airbrush artist or a fabricator or anything relatable in a creative space and you deal with shit, this is, this is, I do it too. We all do. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to humanize maybe the fact that some people go to my Instagram page and they associate a, uh, for our motorcycle industry, a high number of followers to some kind of stature, which is not the case, not the truth. Right. Right. 
unfortunately that a lot of people look at like how much followers they have and that dictates how important those people are. You know, that's, you know, it's a social currency that we have these days with social media. And so all I wanted to do with that post was just say like, look, I literally have not airbrushed in six months. And a lot of the reason why is because of the anxiety that I deal with going into those projects sometimes. So I've been avoiding it, but I have to do it because I have projects that have to be done. And that's something that 10, 15 years ago, I wished I could do. And now I can do it and I don't want to do it. What the fuck's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Well, I, it has to do with inspiration. You're an artist. That's the part yeah. of it. That's, that's what we, that's where we started the comp the podcast out and, it's probably as good a place we did an hour and a half. I don't have the bandwidth that you do over there. I do. I do want to. Uh, I I do want to ask a couple of things though, because you know I'm excited about who you have. I know you took the trip, so I'm doing the math on you. Did you did uh, you did Lucky Dave's? You did um, San Diego Customs. You did Danny G. You just released uh, Jade Affiliated. You did mm -hmm. My Machinist. That was prior to, or is that part of that that trip? Yeah, the only one I got left on the trip is uh, Shred Motoko, which is uh, – he's the dude that does track days on Harleys. Okay. And he's one of the pioneers of it. Okay. And that's that's all I got from the trip. What else do you have in the can? Yours with John Jessup. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. So the, I did the live podcast today on, on YouTube with uh, Dan, and I was trying to record the audio on the mixer, and it didn't record. So all I have from that podcast is the YouTube. So – that's the only place you can check it out is the YouTube page. So since that one got kind of released in a, in a weird way, I'm going to take another, I'm going to wait till next week to release, uh, another one of the, um, the podcasts, but you know, that's no moving forward. Like that's one of the struggles and the things I'm trying to do without being dick, a dick about it yeah. is because I have an, a, I have an aggressive bullyish way when it comes to talking to people and to doing shit sometimes, yeah. you know, not, not as bad as Sean from TOL, but <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I, I can be a little aggressive. And, you know, one of the things that, that I, I'm trying to get people to do, you know, like for instance, uh, I had a buddy down in Houston. He's like, Hey man, uh, let's do a podcast, which he's been on before and, you know, wants to do another one and stuff. But he's like, yeah, when you coming down to Houston, let's do another podcast. I'm like, Hey, no, fucking come to Dallas and come sit in the studio I yeah, built. Yeah, I just built a studio. Motherfucker. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm that kind of I, I want to I've made the effort for the last two years to go out and extend myself and be away from my family and um spend all this money to create this space to do these podcasts and and just a part of me wants to feel like or see some reciprocation from the industry that I've been giving so much to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. I wish we. I wish there was like a central location that we were all in at all times, but it's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, you're not going to get much more central than Dallas. No, I agree with. I agree with you. I agree with the mind. You know, it's. It costs two hundred dollars round trip to fly to Tampa or Orlando from pretty much everywhere in the the lower forty eight. So, I'm trying to get this this podcast studio done here uh, in a reasonable amount of time so that I can just go in there and just turn the buttons on and and make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the same thing with here. It's like I'm still going to do my bike trips across country and the ones that I can all year. But, you know, my biggest trip this year is going to be going to New York and uh, actually going all the way to Maine and back. And I don't want that whole trip to be like how it usually is when you're chasing people to podcast, yep. you know, 
Like I want to go there and enjoy this trip and see this part of the country I've never been to before. I don't want to be sitting at, out in front of somebody's shop waiting three hours for them to be ready to do a podcast. No, I agree with that. Are you, You're not coming to Florida now, are you? No, I, I was planning on it, but with, uh, you know, it was going to be a deal with Lexan at, at the Speedway, and I was going to try to knock out um, what the keys and ride all of that stuff. I was really excited about doing all that stuff, but when it fell through, and not to mention the workload I have right now from missing a whole month of work doing the construction here, right? It's just, it makes more sense to stay here and stay in the groove of working. Because if I go out of town on a trip, it usually takes me a week or so to get back into the groove after I've been home. Gotcha. Of, you know, it's a it's a weird kind of funk sometimes you're in. Right on. Well, man, I appreciate you fucking making time. I, you know, um, I've wanted to do this coming this way for a very long time. So I, I do appreciate it. And I appreciate all the stuff, all the shine you've given me over the couple of years that, uh, that we've been doing, doing these podcasts and that. So I can't wait yeah. until the next time I'm on the Fast Life Garage podcast. Yeah, like a week. <laughs> well, no, I mean like the next time I get to, I want to come yeah. sit in that studio over there and, and, and throw a set of cans on and, and rap with you over there. Drink your beer instead of drinking mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's uh it's you know, I appreciate that, man. It's um it's an exciting day that we got coming, you know, twenty twenty and moving forward for you, for me, for all this stuff. You know, and um the good thing about is uh, the good thing about all this stuff is that we're all cool. You know what I mean? Right. Like nothing's getting it's not like we're all starting chopper shops and we all gotta piss on each other, you know what I mean? No, and so and I, that's, that's there's no there's no reason for that anyways. Yeah. So I, like I said, that part is exciting. And, um, yeah, I think we'll all be, we'll be good. You just got to keep doing it, man. You can't, can't slack. Li- the problem is, is that when you slack, listeners lose interest. No, and I'm not, I've got, I've got, uh, this will be the third one I have recorded. That's not, that's released. not released. I'm all, I'm about 90% finished with, uh, the one I did with cam over the weekend and I will, I'll have this one done and then I'm, uh, Paul at Bare Knuckle Chopper and I are, are doing my next one. So I've upped the game, man. I want to do, I want to get caught up with you. I want to get to a hundred. So <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I, I'm, I want to, I'd like to double up to this year. I'd like to have, you know, I think we did 50 something the first year and another 60 or so the second year. And I'd, I'd like to be able to maybe my goal is by the end of this year, we'll be at least at 200 or more. Yeah, I just want to get caught up with where you're at now. <laughs> not, not, not. I, I'm, I won't be able to catch you. So. You know, I know we got to go, but the other thing I want to try to do is, uh, man, I really wanted to start trying to break off and to have more, you know, to in, in order to put out more podcasts. That, that like you, you mentioned earlier, like not everybody's going to be on board with everything we put out. Right. Same thing. Like I, there's not every podcast Joe Rogan puts out. I'm fucking all over. No. I, I pick the ones in the styles of podcasts yep. based on the guests. I know it's a comedy. I know it's a science. I yep. know this is whatever. And that's the thing that I think a lot of us have to figure out how to do with motorcycling is to scale it because there's only so much we can all do. And before long, we're all going to be podcasting the same motherfuckers. Well, right? I'm trying to not let's, so I'm not trying to, to I'm, that's, I'm not trying to follow your lead on, on guests. I'm trying to, I've got a, a list of people that uh, I'm doing that are, different than you have and eventually eventually it will cross over right yeah but um right now we're i'm i've got some i'm trying to not pull from the same pool is what you're doing and besides that i want to give it some space anyways like i would love to talk to the guys at fxr division but not this year give it another year or whatever you know what i mean because that one that you just did with them is so fresh so 
Yeah, so I mean, my goal is to try to find other other areas that still might have a connection to motorcycling or connection to what I think maybe the interest or some of the interest of our listeners would like. Yep. And start branching off into other conversations in other areas and uh, just let it be fine. Like, okay, this podcast might be a quarter of the downloads the other ones get, but you know what? I want to put content out there and create a bigger audience by having, you know, more and more types of, uh, of, of conversations basically. Yep. yep. With different people. So, yeah. All right. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. You have been listening to the Power Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Coleman. Thank you for listening.